Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And today we are addressing something that a lot of expats feel, which is guilt. Expat guilt. Yeah, expat guilt. It's something that you wouldn't expect when you are first setting off on your adventure. But it is definitely a fact of life, I think, for most, if not all, expats. A little bit of guilt. I know. I came across an article at the Wall Street Journal's expat blog titled, Expat Guilt, When You Really Should Go Home, But Don't. And it was by a writer named Jessica Scott-Reed. She's a Canadian freelance writer, and she spent the last eight years living in Germany, Switzerland, Russia, and Denmark. I'm going to put a link to the article that she wrote about expat guilt at our website, thebittersweetlife.net, under the episode titled Guilt. But I also talked to her. So you don't just have to read it. You get to hear from her. That's the beauty of this show. (laughs) I I spoke to her on Skype, and I asked her to explain where her story of expat guilt began. I had been living in Dusseldorf, Germany for just over a year I was there because my husband uh, was a professional hockey player. We kind of spend nine months of the year overseas, and then we come back for the summer. So it was in the fall. I had just returned back for a second season with him. Just before my birthday, I believe, I was standing in the kitchen looking out my window at the lovely German neighborhood, as I always did. And uh, my mom would call and we would chat and that's when she told me kind of out of the blue what was going on. I didn't really know about until she had the exact news that she wanted to wait to make sure she wasn't scaring me for no reason. And that's when she told me. So what did she tell you? How did she lay it out to you? Uh, She was very matter of fact about it. She had said that she had been going for mammograms and nothing was really found that way, surprisingly enough, that she had been working out and felt a, a pain, kind of a, a pressure, and discovered herself that there was a, a lump. She went into the doctor and they said that it was actually a, a cyst of some sort. And then it, when having the cyst removed, they found the lump behind it, a um, big surprise and something they said they likely would never have found at least for a few more years hadn't this uh, cyst grown on top of it so it was kind of in a way in the end a a lucky find and that's how she described it to me and then went on to tell me exactly what was happening next which was treatment chemo all of that. Do you remember at all what your first thought was in your own head or in your body when she told you this news? It was complete shock and fear but The way that she held it together, which is not uncharacteristic of my mother, um, the way that she told me so matter-of-fact, so calmly, I guess kind of confused me in the moment getting such news that was so strong, should have had such a visceral reaction, but coming from such a a calm, strong person and uh, tone kept me calm as well. Then, of course, I thought, oh, no, you can't come for Christmas anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So what was she facing at that point? Um, of course, these things kind of work uh, in a in a process that can be slow to many people. There's always other tests that have to be done for which you have to wait days, weeks at a time to find out results. So at that time, they did have a plan, although there were some tests and things that still needed to be done. And I remember sitting around waiting for some of those. But basically, it was that she was going to have to start doing chemotherapy and have a mastectomy. 
then radiation after that. And so it was going to be a long, I think at least a year-long process she was facing. And is your mom, is she still married or was she on her own at that point? No, she was married at the time, so I was confident that she had someone to be there with her. Of course, as I say in the article, I was an only child. I am an only child. So that definitely added another level of difficulty to the situation, knowing that she didn't have any other children there to care for her. But she did have a very helpful husband and a very strong relationship with her sister. So um, it wasn't immediate panic that she was all alone, thankfully. When you hung up the phone after you've had that conversation, what did you think to yourself? Did you think you needed to start packing or figure out a way to get home? There was definitely a sense of panic as to what do I do next? My mind went where most people's minds go, which is I have to go home right now. And my husband and everyone else, my my friends, my other expat friends from the team and such were all saying the same thing. You know, you think, okay, I got to call the airline or get online and pack my bags this exact moment. Then somehow after you kind of calm down and start thinking about the logistics of it, I had three dogs at the time. My husband, because of his job as a hockey player, goes on the road. And so those things all had to be figured out. And I think once you start actually thinking about leaving and what that all entails, you start to kind of reconsider it as your immediate option. Yeah, which you did. So eventually you don't go. How did you decide not to go? It was in conversations with my husband and with my mom. It was more so, I think the confusion started to happen. Well, okay, if if I'm going to go home, do I go home right now? Do I wait till after the surgery? Do I wait till after her first chemotherapy treatment? When is she going to need me the most? You know, the idea wasn't that I was just going to go home forever or go home for the whole rest of the season. It was that I was going to go home and offer support at the time that she was going to need it. But there wasn't really a, a time more needing than any other. So in speaking with her, she thought, well, what are you going to come here and do? Are you going to come here and sit in the hospital? Are you going to come here and feed me chicken soup? Like it Again, the, the logistics of it and the reality of it was that there wasn't really a time that I needed to be there. She had support she needed and she didn't want me to kind of sit around and be there taking care of her. Do you think that she would have told you that just as being a good mother, not to worry you? That definitely was part of it. Part of it was a practical thing where she thought, what What are you going to do for me? At the time, I was also quite young. I was, I was 24. I think she just figured there wasn't really going to be anything for me to do there. But I do believe that a lot of it was trying to protect me, for sure. This notion of her telling me, keep living your life, keep calling me every day, keep sending me photos, keep putting photos on Facebook of your amazing adventures. Because again, this was just my second year there, so everything was still incredibly exciting. I do think her telling me to do that was letting me off the hook in some ways that were very selfless from her. Were you relieved? Of course. I mean, it's a terrifying thing to think of flying home to be there for your mother during that time. I definitely think I got off easy. She probably wouldn't put it that way, but I did. And I think that's where this idea of guilt kind of comes from. So how guilty did you feel? Is it a guilt that comes later on or were you feeling guilty at the time? Is it mostly relief at first? How does it build? I think the relief and the guilt kind of come at the same time. When the, when it really started sinking in that I wasn't going to go home, and then you feel the relief. I think you feel immediate guilt for having that relief. 
And then you have guilt for every time she calls you saying, I feel so sick, or every time she calls you and says, I'm terrified of something, any negative thing you hear over the phone and you think, and I'm not there, you feel guilty about it. So it, it comes and it goes throughout the entire process. What if your mother hadn't given you permission? What if she'd never like explicitly said, go ahead and stay and live your life? And you decided not to go. I think I would have gone then. I think it was only in her relieving me and allowing me not to come home that I didn't because I think you'd just be so compelled by your family values and your morals and by what everyone else around you is saying. It just seems to be the only right option. And if she hadn't told me not to, I think I would have gone. I think it's interesting. I was just, after reading your article, I was just Googling expat guilt and you come across a bunch of people's little anecdotal stories. And one was a man from Australia that described his expat guilt as something that was slowly eating away at him like a cancer. Mm. And that was guilty over not ever being there for his family. He'd been gone for a long time. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he absolutely did not want to give up the lifestyle that he had. So it was like that paralyzing feeling like you should be home, but at the same point, you really don't want to go home. I can definitely... Uh relate to that. That is kind of an ongoing feeling for a variety of reasons. I mean, these things come up. It's not just a parent who's ill. It's for every wedding and big birthday and birth of your best friend's child. I mean, every one of these little things, they continue to happen because that's life. And you continually miss these things. And it's kind of on purpose. You know, you're, you're choosing to be away in some regards. So you are continuously feeling guilty about things all the time. How do you feel about the feeling of guilt in general, would you say, you as a person? Um, I don't tend to be an overly guilt-filled person. Um, I like to feel very confident in my choices, but I do know that this expat lifestyle has a lot of sacrifices. I can talk myself out of feeling guilty pretty easily, uh, which is a great talent, but it is always kind of there, again, like I say, because you're always away. And you are always missing things. And relationships suffer because of it. I've definitely lost some friends because of being away, missing things. And so the guilt is always there. But I try really hard to not let it overtake me. It's debilitating if you let it overtake you. So is there anything that you do to cope with it? Or is it just sort of how you can separate the two worlds in your head? I mean, there are some practical things you can do to make yourself feel better and to kind of continue on fostering those relationships. I do a lot of gift baskets. There's a lot of flower deliveries. There's a lot of surprise fruit baskets, these sorts of things that you can kind of show your way of being there for things. And, you know, it helps to keep those relationships going. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I'm sure some people are sick of <laughs> gift baskets by now. Yeah, there's a lot of things you can do as expats living overseas to, to help your, your mental well-being in a lot of ways. I, I like to write. That's one of my ways of coping with a lot of these kind of negative emotions that happen when you live away from your community. Do you think that you'll stay? Your husband's a hockey player, so I guess it will partly be dependent on his career, but what's your thought? Now he's working as a coach. He has retired from hockey, and we are actually in Canada now. But there's always a phone call possible to happen at any moment where we pick up and go. That's the nature of his job. So we can and do plan to be away once again. And yeah, I, I will continue to do it as, as long as I can. 
Why is this a topic that you wanted to write about? I think it's because it's a, it's a popular topic amongst us in the small groups of expats. I think a lot of us talk about it in our small groups, but we don't talk about it in public quite as much. And that's what I found in response to the article was so many people coming forward and saying, oh my gosh, I can totally relate to this. I totally have this feeling. And yet it's very difficult to talk about outside of the expat world because people don't understand. And I think that's kind of what I'm hoping to do. And the majority of things I write about for the Wall Street Journal expat page kind of bring some of those issues out to draw understanding from both other expats and the non-expats that don't necessarily see it the way we do. You ended the article with a quote from a woman you interviewed named Lane Clark, who's an expat living in Japan, and she ends it pretty positively. I'll read your last line. It says, as an expat, this guilt may be heightened because we already get a sense from some people that living away from home is in itself a selfish choice, but you can't please everyone, so I try not to dwell on the guilt. It's kind of a positive and negative quote in a way. Why did you decide to end the article that way? I think it's just very honest and it that's really all it comes down to is that there's going to be some people who understand this way of living and there's a lot of people that aren't and if you are really going to allow yourself to be overtaken by this guilt like I said it's going to get you on such a regular basis down to every every event that you miss it will just be constant because that's life and if you let it overtake you you're you're going to hate the expat experience, and we don't hate it. The majority of us love it, so why not allow yourself to love it? Jessica Scott-Reed is a Canadian freelance writer who spent the last eight years living in Germany, Switzerland, Russia, and Denmark. You can read her expat insights at the Wall Street Journal's expat blog, as well as in the National Post, the Montreal Gazette, the Hockey News, and the German Way expat blog. And the article that we are talking about is from the Wall Street Journal, Expat Guilt, when you really should go home, but don't. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Oh, yeah, it's a pleasure. Anytime. Thanks so much for allowing me to talk on this important topic. So what did you think, Tiffany? Did it bring back memories of your own expat guilt to hear Jessica's story? Well, definitely. And I think it doesn't go away. For me, it's not something that is linked to one specific event. Like with Jessica, for me, it's more of an ongoing thing. I actually did have a, I don't want to say a similar, oh, sorry, my little lion is screaming. (laughs) He's roaring. I've I've learned to like ignore him completely almost at this point. It's like I don't even hear him anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to my world. I'm sure the listeners are like, that is not, not the case. Anyway, go on. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. In 2012, my father got really sick. Well, let's say he had a heart attack. It was pretty serious. Heart attacks are generally serious, but this was a kind of um, really serious one. And I had to kind of make the decision. Am I going to go home and be there for his surgery? Because he had to have a quadruple bypass. So am I going to be there just in case? Because you never know. Or should I stay and hope everything's okay? I decided to go. It was very expensive. I bought my ticket the day before I left. And I was gone for only four days. I flew all the way from Rome to Boise, Idaho for four days. So it was a very intense period. And he was fine. (laughs) So that's the good news. He was a really successful surgery. But I definitely, I mean, as much as I wanted to see my dad and I, I wanted to make sure I was there for him, you are motivated, I think, by a certain sense of guilt. Like, you've got to do this. It's not just about what you want. It's about what your sort of duty is to your family member, I think, sometimes. 
But, you know, there have been other times when I didn't go home. I don't think it's just a question of family emergencies. I think also things like your friend's weddings. I didn't make it to your wedding, which happened to be the same period as when my dad had his surgery. I felt really guilty about that. I really wanted to be there. You came all the way across the world for my wedding, and I wasn't able to uh, return the, not that it's a favor, but you know what I mean. So I do have my share of expat guilt. I think when you have a baby, it brings the whole expat guilt to a whole new level. Because, you know, it's like your parents want to be with your kid. They want to see your kid. My dad hasn't met Aurelio yet. None of my sisters have. And they're all sort of like, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? When are you coming home for a visit? And I really want to, but it's just so difficult right now that I don't know what to say. And I definitely feel guilty about that too. Now, you were only in Rome for a year, but I'm guessing that you had at least a couple of opportunities to feel some expat guilt. Can the expat guilt begin before you even arrive as an expat? Probably not. Maybe that's just guilt. I'm guessing that this has to do with your dad. What happened with him right before you came? The thing is, I didn't feel a great deal of expat guilt while I was gone. I wasn't really gone long enough, I don't think, to feel bad about much. But when we were leaving... I felt a little guilty because, and I don't want to go into the whole story, but my father, many, many years ago, got diagnosed with brain cancer and was told that he probably didn't have very long to live, maybe a year, year and a half. Because, you know, brain cancer, anyone who's dealt with it knows that it's a terrible thing, that there aren't special cancer walks of survivors for it because people don't survive for the most part. It's not like breast cancer where a lot of people do survive. At that point... I did turn down an offer of a job that was away from Seattle. Three days or so after he got diagnosed, I got offered this job in New York City and I turned it down because I, there was no way I was going to leave at that point. Along the short of it, and this is an epic story that you can read all about on his blog, Breathtakingly Suckworthy News, he did survive. It still seems like a miracle. I think it was a miracle, personally. Yeah, I know. It was. And the doctors can't necessarily explain it. He's just the wonder child. And here it is so many years later. He's feeling good and he's feeling like he's going to live for quite a long time. I do think it's part of the reason why I got married so fast to Derek. I didn't know Derek very long when we got married. I think we knew each other for maybe a little over a year. I definitely wanted my father to do the ceremony and be there. So by the time I left for Rome, though, I was starting to feel much more confident that he was going to be okay. But you thought about it in the back of your head, like, what if it comes back? And I'm now I'm on the other side of the world. And not only that, but you might think, here I am. You know, my dad has limited time left, and I'm, I'm spending a year away from him willingly. And that gives you guilt. Exactly, exactly. But, I mean, we all have limited time left. And he seems fairly confident that he's going to be around for a while at this point. So I try to keep that in mind. Not that he can predict the future, nor can I. But I, there is a point where you have to keep on living, you know? Yeah. And I feel like I've been with everybody I know, my parents included, recording moments of our interactions in my head my entire life, preparing for the fact that someday they may not be around anymore. Mm-hmm. And... It's macabre and grim, but true. So it's almost like I've been preparing my entire life <laughs> for the separation. You've always been a little bit macabre. Right, I know. What the heck? Where does that come from? I don't know. Not guilt, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, what about the fact that something else that Jessica talked about was that sense of relief. She wanted to be there for her mother, but also when her mom's like, don't come, and she doesn't go, she has that moment where she's like, thank goodness that I don't have to go right now. Yeah, and then you probably feel guilty for feeling that relief. I know, right? And I think that there was a little bit of that after all the stress of those years around my dad's whole situation. There was something very brilliant and freeing about being so unavailable. Hmm. I mean, you know how hard it is for you and I to even coordinate a time to talk because of our hour difference. That translated to all of my relationships, my work life, my family life, my friends. And I got to be in this bubble for a while where I really didn't need to talk to anyone. And it felt pretty freeing yeah, it is nice. <laughs> for that period of time. I really needed a break. But that also made me feel guilty because I'm like, why do I not want to talk to all my friends? <laughs> <laughs> Our lesson from this should be don't feel guilt. It's a wasted emotion. Yeah. But it's just, it's a fact of life. It's a fact of life. I felt really guilty. My mom left. She came to visit over Aurelius' baptism. And when she was leaving, I can't remember what it was that she said, but I know that it wasn't her goal to make me feel guilty. That wasn't why she was saying it. But whatever it was that she said, it definitely made me feel feel guilty that, you know, here I am raising my baby over here and, you know, she doesn't get to have nearly the kind of relationship that my mother-in-law has with him. If only she was there right now. Oh, yes. I would <laughs> happily hand him off to her. But we have, the, we have kind of a double problem because if we ever move to the States, my guilt may be relieved, but then all the guilt will be on Claudio's side from Claudio's family. And that's going to be way, 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 way worse because in the United States, we have a culture of moving around and children very often move across the country from their parents and see them as little as someone who's living in a foreign country would see their parents. But in Italy, they don't really have that culture that you stay by your family, maybe even live with them. But, you know, the idea is that you build up this sort of family fortress in one spot. And then the American is you spread out and conquer. It's like two different mentalities. So by leaving his family, it would be a huge, huge shock for them. And um, they would have a hard time with it. And, and Claudio, I, I know, would feel very guilty. Well, when you think about it, isn't guilt kind of a weird emotion? Or feeling. Is that even an emotion? It's just a feeling. It's a weird thing, though, isn't it? Feeling guilty. Like, what does it mean? It means you're feeling bad because your mother can't be around your son. But then she would have to also feel bad that she can't be around her son. Right? Well, that's the thing about guilt. It's, I mean, this isn't like the actual definition, but to me, it's like a projection of what you're feeling onto someone else. So it's almost like let's just say hypothetically, my mom doesn't feel bad that she never sees my son, but because I feel guilty, I'm projecting onto her my expectations that she should feel bad about it. And it's really a total waste. It's a total waste of emotion. Right. If you think about it, if you feel guilty enough for something, you should take action and do something about it. Yeah. Otherwise, why bother feeling guilty at all? Because it's not serving any purpose. And sometimes when people feel guilty towards you. I don't know if that makes sense. Let's say, okay, I feel guilty that I didn't go to your wedding. Yeah. That doesn't serve you in any way. That doesn't make you feel better. That probably might make you feel worse, actually. If you know I'm sitting here feeling guilty, you might feel bad about that. So it's just a cycle of negativity. Let's not feel... I really hope you're not dwelling on it. I know you're not dwelling on it, but I'm just saying (laughs) it's not like it helps the situation. No. 
It doesn't. It doesn't. And, you know, honestly, if you had come to my wedding, I would have gotten to talk to you for all of, like, two minutes. I know. I, I totally know that's true. Yeah. Because uh, you had a big wedding, I believe. It was big, yeah. It was over 250 people. Oh, my God. I see. I had 80 people, and I felt like that was big. Yeah. I basically said hello to everyone, and then it was over. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> the night went by really fast. <laughs> it was like greeting everyone and oh what we have to be out of the venue oh okay well that was fun that was fun sorry i didn't get to talk to anybody or eat anything uh, all i had was a beer and a bag of potato chips on my wedding night i was starving are you serious i ate hotel had i ate so much <laughs> oh i would have liked to but we didn't have a formal sit down dinner period mm. and we were greeting pe- so many people that yeah by the time we got back to the hotel the only thing that was available was a bag of chips and two beers that were in the fridge <laughs> That's a bummer. It was. But yeah, I mean, I think you're right about guilt. It's sort of like worry. When you worry and worry and worry about something, and then what good does worry do too? But worry is almost a little bit different because I feel like that's inherent to certain people's personalities. They're just like worrying personality types. Yeah, I know a few people like that. Which I suspect I might be one of. Worry also is the same way. For instance, I was worried about this radio deadline I had wake up in the middle of the night and think to myself, how in the world am I going to get that done with everything else I have to get done? It's never going to happen. Me awake at three in the morning for two hours thinking about how it's never going to happen. And then when it actually came down to it and it was time to put the piece together, it only took me two hours. Like it went so smoothly. It just fell together. Like you always wish a radio piece would. The radio storytelling elements just sort of became obvious very easily and I just put linked them together and it was finished and you just think to yourself why was I so concerned that I wasn't going to pull this off all I had to do was work on it I know worry is completely unproductive because it doesn't help you it does nothing I say this to my husband all the time don't bother worrying it's pointless and in some ways like you said guilt is exactly the same way it is it is and I mean I think maybe guilt is almost worse because you're involving someone else in it even if they don't know. Right. And it's also a reflection on you. What is it? Is it really you just questioning your own choices? If you hadn't gone back home when your dad had a heart attack, did you partly go because you didn't want to have forever the burden on yourself that you hadn't gone? Oh, absolutely. I hate to say it. And I hate to kind of admit it in this public way, but I definitely partly went for that. I, obviously, it was a complicated decision. There were many things going into it, including, of course, the fact that I wanted to be there for my father. But absolutely, I went out of a certain sense of obligation, knowing that whether you know it ended well or ended badly, I was going to feel better for having done it. So maybe in that sense, like guilt is helpful. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or at least trying to preempt guilt when you have the chance to. Yeah, maybe it's a way of just keeping you on track. <laughs> maybe. <You know? laughs> it's like your moral compass in a way. Are you being a jerk? (laughs) That's what guilt is. You questioning whether or not you're being a jerk by your own personal decisions. Maybe that's what it is. (laughs) Maybe. But I do think some people have a little less... I think that some people don't suffer from guilt. I don't think it's a universal thing. Yeah. And those are lucky people. But then those of us who feel guilt might be like, those people are so selfish and (laughs) (laughs) self-absorbed. I'm just kidding. You're not. Those of you out there who are like that, you're lucky. You're going to live longer than the rest of us. Less worry, less guilt. Should we wrap it up? Yeah, I think so. We should. We can guilt our listeners into sending us a donation. How about that? Is that how we should wrap it up? <laughs> can I guilt them into a couple other things? Yes. The bittersweet life 
is now on Facebook. You thought it would never happen, but it did. And, and if you're not there as a friend of ours yet, you should feel really guilty about that and go find that page. You should really look into your soul and ask yourself why you're, you're being so selfish. <laughs> I mean, how hard is it to like a page, right? <laughs> exactly. Unless you're not on Facebook. And if you're not on Facebook, then kudos to you. Yeah, that's fine. We won't judge. You can also email us at bittersweetlife at mail.com. M-A-I-L, mail.com. One more thing so that you don't feel guilty as you walk away today after listening to this podcast is rate us on iTunes because that's the only way other people who are expats are going to find us. And tell your friends because that's the other way they're going to find us. Yeah, if you're a blogger, if you're an expat blogger or a travel blogger, write a post about us. Even It can even be short. Give us some free publicity. That would be great. See, and we'll post it on our website and everybody will be shaking hands and loving one another across the world because that's what this show is all about. Yes, it goes both ways. So stop feeling guilty. <laughs> <laughs> Take action. And until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Bye.